Welcome to the Nerds Who Haunted Themselves <laughs> podcast. I'm Stuart Lorraine, and I'm joined by a very special guest. What's your name? Double when and hey! Okay. Right. Who are you? Uh, Dark Wayne. Okay, and who are you to me? Uh, Daddy Wayne. <laughs> I'm your daddy, yeah. <laughs> Close enough. So, yeah. You so, excited to be on here? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? Uh, take that. We're not talking about take that. True Believers. True Believers, okay. True Believers is special. True Believers is special. Why is it special? Because there's loads of people dressed up. Was it? Who did you see at this year's one? Batman is Bruce Wayne. <gasps> Don't tell everybody Batman's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> they, they'll go after Bruce Wayne. <laughs> oh. oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Dad, dad, ah. Daddy. And Dan Moraine's here too. He, he wants to talk about mm. true believers. Don't lean into the microphone. But now he's gone. Okay. It's it's an audio medium, so we're running commentary as necessary. So, are you looking forward to next year's True Believers? Yeah, it's going to be so cool. It's going to be so cool. Do you know who's going to be there? If I reel off some names, will you know who they are? Uh, so, if I say to you, Paul Cornell's going to be there. Uh, yeah. Yeah? That, that exciting? Yeah. Tim Quinn? Yeah. Jackademus? Yeah. Yeah? Jackademus is a cool name, isn't it? Uh, John Paul Bove? Yeah. Uh, Lee Townsend? Yeah. Uh, Kate Brown? Yeah. Paul Duffield? Yeah. Uh, Rob Williams? Yeah. Not the one from Take That, before you say it. I can see that look in your eye. Mike Collins? <laughs> mm, yeah. Yeah. Andy Diggle? Yeah. Yeah. Dylan Teague? Yeah. What about Rachel Smith? Yeah. Yeah. Sonia Long? Yeah. What about Lee Sullivan? Yeah. And what about our special guest, Dirk Mags? Yeah. You know who Dirk Mags is, don't you? Yeah. You know the CDs Daddy listens to in his car? In Superman. The Superman ones, yeah? Yeah. Dirk Mags made those. That cool? Yeah. Daddy wants to speak to you. Speaks to who? To you. To you. We're speaking to them. We are on the air. Not only that, there's going to be lots of tables there again as well. So lots of people who've made their own comics. And lots of people Daddy selling... Daddy wants to sing a song. Daddy doesn't want to sing a song. Lots of people selling comics. Their own comics and other people's comics. Toys again. Can I sell something? What can you sell? What are you going to sell? Uh, some of my baby toys. You can't sell your baby toys. We're not a car boot sale. You created your own comic book character, though, haven't you? Who? Who's, who's your comic book character? Jack Zap. Jack Zap. i got to bring that DVD then. You can't bring that now. You can't go. You've got to sit here. Okay. Well, he's gone. We're going to cosplay again. Panels. Uh, lots of panels again. We'll do a cosplay panel. All about celebrating cosplay, so people who are interested in cosplay can learn a bit, little bit more about it. We're going to do a Discover Something New panel again, which will be exciting. Uh, what are you looking forward to? Are you looking forward to seeing people in costume again? Yeah. 
Yeah, and I want to see uh, uh, go with Daddy in the morning and wake up and my brother. You want to be an agent? You want to come help me set up? Yeah. Wow, that'll be a really early start. Can you do early starts? Yeah. Okay. What what characters do you want to see people dressed as this uh, next uh, year? Jack Zap. You're not going to get somebody dressed as Jack Zap. That would be amazing, though. Uh, Bart Simpson. But no, let's go comic book characters. What but, about somebody from Teen Titans? Uh, Robin, Starfire, Beast Boy, Cyborg, Raven. Oh, you want all of them? Crazy. Crazy. You should tell people as well. If they went onto our Facebook page on Father's Day, there was a special picture at the top that said, Happy Father's Day, True Believers, and it had a little picture of True Believer on it. Do you know who drew that? Me. You. Do you like drawing? Yeah. You're going to be an artist when you grow up? Yeah. You'll have to speak to some of the artists there. Like Mike Collins as an artist, or Jack Ademus. Jack Ademus draws Ninja Turtles. Do you like Ninja Turtles? Yeah. Cool. You might have to pop by and see him then. Say, my name's Jack too. Yeah? yeah? yeah. Do you think he'd like that? Cool. Uh, do you want to talk about... Uh... The very new comic festival and the old one. Well, we've kind of talked about it. What people need to know now is where they can get their tables and their tickets from. Do you know where you go to get your table and your tickets? Uh, if you want to have a table there to sell your comic or sell comic-related stuff. Do you know where you go? You go to OKTrueBelievers.com and then you click on the True Believers 2016 button and it will drop down with how to book a table. And also at the top, if you want tickets because they're going to be hot tickets, then you've got to go and click on the tickets button at OKTrueBelievers.com. Yeah? Yeah. that be exciting? Yeah. Uh, Are you excited for it? Uh, we're going Who to did a, you go dressed as last year? Uh, a Ninja Turtle. A Ninja Turtle. And everyone saw me. Everybody did see you. You were a big turtle. You were easy to spot. And Daddy had a photo with Bruce Wayne. It's Batman. <gasps> Stop telling everybody that Batman's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> they'll go and they'll get Bruce Wayne. If he hasn't got his Batman suit, he'd be helpless. <laughs> we, we're going to Amazon to get a new comic to sell. We're going to Amazon to get a new comic to sell, are we? Uh, today uh, at... Uh, we'll see. After tea. We'll see. Jim right, four. while I've got you here then, who's your favourite comic book character? Mm. Every single one. Every single one? Yeah. What about your favourite comic book television programme? Mm, Teen Titans Go. Teen Titans Go. Why do you like Teen Titans Go? Because uh, it's a bit silly. It's very silly, isn't it? Did it make you more interested in reading the comics, though? Yeah. Cool. And what was the last film you went to see at the cinema? Uh, Minions. Did you like Minions? Yeah. They were uh, like trying to look for Matt and grew. Uh, it was very naughty shooting. Uh, Don't later. tell people th spoilers. Spoilers for minions. Yeah, I'm not talking. And why we're going to do another podcast? Are we going? Are we? Are we done? Are we talked enough about true believers? Uh, do you think we... people know where they need to go to get their we tickets do for true believers? One. Where do people need to go to get their tickets for true uh, believers? Go to like shops. Go to <laughs> oktruebelievers.com. Oktruebelievers.com. Uh, High stuff. five. Knuckle touch. Ba-la-la-la-la. Okay. If you're here, 
If you want to listen to it again, just go to our podcast thing, then you listen to it. That's how that works. And the podcast, you can get to it through our website as well. Which is what? True Believers. Okay. Okay, TrueBelievers.com. Do you think people will go and buy, why should people go and buy their tickets now? Because they won't be allowed at True Believers. Without a ticket, no, and they'll be more expensive if they try and buy Mommy them on the and door. Me and da- Mommy and me and Daniel don't need a ticket because we're in your family. Well, don't tell them that. They'll all want to be in my family. It's an exclusive club, isn't it? Yeah. We're, we're, we're just going to listen to it. Bye. <laughs> okay. At the end of this podcast, there'll be a, hopefully, if I edit it on right, a special Panel Borders podcast that was recorded at the Kickstarter crowdfunding panel at True Believers 2015. Uh, To find out more about Panel Borders, you can go to www.panelborders.wordpress.com where you can find out information about Panel Borders and listen to their other shows. Um, Thanks for listening, and we'll see you with a proper Nerds Who Horned Themselves podcast soon. Uh, enjoy your week or however long it's going to be. We're doing next. Okay, you're going to say bye? Bye, we're doing one now. Say bye, nerds. Bye, can we listen to bye, it? Bye, nerds. Yeah. <laughs> bye. Bye. The programme which follows is brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. You're listening to Panel Borders on Resonance 104.4 FM. I'm Alex Fitch, and this is Resonance's weekly show about the world of comics. On today's programme, which concludes a month of episodes looking at crowdfunding comics, I'm talking to a quartet of creators in a panel discussion recorded at the True Believers comic book convention in Cheltenham in February. I'm joined by Emma Viacelli, Paul Duffield, Anastasia Catris, and Mike Garley, to talk about how various crowdfunding websites and schemes have helped them create their comic books and projects. Anastasia, you've crowdfunded a collection of short stories that have illustrated. Yeah, it was crowdfunded in October of last year. It's called Cirque du Mort, and it's a book of short stories, all with sort of horror vibe based on Penny Dreadfuls, um, based around a haunted circus. Um, so that started... Um, in, on the 1st of October of last year and actually finished on Halloween so that was quite appropriate so it was obviously running around the time of Halloween so it was good to sort of um, put promotions alongside that um, and that was actually successfully funded within two days of going live Wowzers. so um, I was quite happy with that as you can imagine and it's currently in the, the making stage at the moment so it's um, it's all drawn and it's just being created now so that's what I'm up to right now. As it was funded that quickly, presumably you have some kind of a following. It was, a, well, it was a case of, um, I've been um, a member of Kickstarter for a few years. So I've been sort of active on Kickstarter, helping other people and funding other uh, Kickstarter projects through that. So it was quite nice to sort of get the community together as far as that was concerned. Um, but I go to a lot of conventions as well. So I was promoting it through the conventions that I do. Um, I wouldn't say I've got a huge following or anything. It was just a ca- I was as amazed as everyone else more than anything. Um, it was just a case of uh, I was expecting it, hopefully, to get funded because I wasn't asking for an amazing amount. Mm. But I definitely didn't expect it to happen within two days, okay. <laughs> less than two days. In fact, I think it was about thirty-eight hours or something wow. like that. So um, I mean, not I was you... counting the hours or anything. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Would you would you say that you had, dare I say, a USP? 
uh, for your project? Um, I don't really know what that means. A unique selling point. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say it was unique. If anything, it was something that's quite popular. The idea of like haunted circuses and haunted clowns is something that I think speaks to mm. a lot of people on different levels, just because of things like it. And obviously, American Horror Story Freak Show was um, came out at around the same time that my Kickstarter ran, which was quite a... <laughs> Helpful, but it was, it's one of those things that I think speaks to a lot of people. So I wouldn't say it was necessarily unique. It was just a case of I was just putting my own spin and my own personal touch on something that has been done before, but just doing it in my own way more than anything. So. <laughs> um, Emma, you've uh, worked as part of various collectives. You've worked for professional companies as an illustrator. So why did you need to turn to Kickstarter to fund a project? I didn't turn to Kickstarter. Ah, okay. uh, I'm here more sort of as a curveball um, because... Uh, Basically, I, as you say, I'm working for yeah. publishers, so my day job is I'm a comic artist, but I my roots are in independent comicking, so obviously it's a bit of a conundrum because what do I do? Put contracts on hold so that I can do my indie stuff? It actually was easier running independent stuff before I was working as a comica. It's like, unfortunately, it's just the typical thing that happens. So um, what I had was this story breaks, and I wanted to, I knew I wanted to run it as a free web comic, regardless, and that's the, the word I'm going to keep coming back to in this session, is regardless, I wanted to run it as a free web comic. And then I heard about Patreon. Um, ah, okay. So not, because obviously Kickstarter is fantastic, but something like Anna's talking about when you just, you need that, well, literally a kickstart. You just need that lump sum that's going to help you print whatever. Because Breaks was a, it's going to be a weekly free web comic that it was going to update anyway. It was a case of I figured, well, uh, I don't. Has anyone, everyone heard of Patreon? Yeah, I think it's getting that way now. I think when so I it's start, more of a subscription in a way. It's like a, it's yeah. essentially it's, you are, you become a patron of someone's work. So for as little as one dollar a month. So there are some people who might say, yeah, you know, I kind of I liked your work on Young Avengers. I'd be willing to give you a dollar a month, like $12 over the course of a year mm. to do what you do, you know? So it's not someone buying a specific thing, but like Kickstarter, you can still say, okay, well, I've got goals, and if I reach, like, a, you know, if I, if I get to X amount a month, then I'll be releasing extra pages. But that's a group amount, so it's sort of like, you know, some people might put more in, some put less in. So you've got goals for them as individuals, but you've got goals like milestones as a group. So I figured it was something that I could run alongside. It doesn't require much work because literally people are essentially backing the work that you're already doing. Um, And I figured it it was one of those things that would just be extra. So I wasn't looking for a kickstart. I was just looking for something that with ideally over time, what I wanted to end up doing was being able to, because at the moment I'll work like technically full time on like Alex Ryder I'm on at the Mm. moment. Um, But then I wanted to be able to spend any spare time on breaks rather than having to pick up extra illustration gigs, um, which often, you know, anyone in the room who draws will know you're always juggling different jobs. So I wanted this to be the thing I was juggling, but I couldn't keep doing that for free. So essentially, yeah, I was like, I'm going to update this much. And then if people back me and I reach a certain threshold, then I can stop taking on other illustration jobs Mm. and have focus on this, you know. Um, I guess it's more of a guaranteed income. That I guess you could have done breaks as a regular webcomic and then sold space to advertisers on the pages. Yeah, but that is more of a, a lottery yet, where you have yeah. to then think about the nuances of advertising yeah. and so on and it's so forth. It's weird because you can't really... It's very hard at the moment to compare Patreon mm. campaigns with Kickstarters because I think Kickstarters look... Obviously, you can say, look, I, I made three grand or something. And it's, a really, it's an amazing achievement. So I'm like, well done. Like, anyone who do it, I think it's amazing. It takes so much balls to do it. Like... 
whereas Patreon to me was a bit of a kind of, oh, I'm just going to put this here and like, <laughs> that way I can't necessarily fail. I just can't do that well, maybe. Uh, but anything you're getting is like, you know, is a monthly amount. So you almost see it. You're so grateful as this sort of little monthly packet coming in. Mm. That's, um, yeah, it's a bit of a boost. I mean, Paul, in a way, you're in a similar situation to Emma, that you've got a very good reputation in the comics world. You could probably live off doing strips for the Phoenix and other titles. But I guess the collection of short stories that you've kick-started, uh, to turn it, I assume it is a verb now, you know, and an hour, and an adjective, um, was something that you just couldn't find a publisher any other way. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I'm kind of uh, intersection of both. I, I have a Patreon, but I also run an Indiegogo campaign, which is essentially Kickstarter, and a Kickstarter campaign that's currently running. Everyone back it. <laughs> um, he has become shameless the last yeah, few yeah. months. I'm so proud of him. have become shameless. Um, so in terms of the one that I'm running at the moment is a collection of my short stories that I have actually already had published. Um, but since then, uh, they were published in a weekly magazine, which is kind of here and then gone. Um, and with a limited print run, they've just been sitting around on my hard drive for about two years now. I realised that the rights had reverted to me. So I approached the Phoenix, who originally published them, to say, would you like to do a collection with me? And the answer was, no, we have better things to publish. <laughs> Other <laughs> no, things, newer things. Being fair to them, by, <laughs> when I say better, what I mean is that they have long-running stories with mm. overall arcs that make fantastic graphic novels and, and a little esoteric no, collection nice of safe. completely unrelated shorts. <laughs> yeah. is not part of them. And I do work for the Phoenix three days a week, like, in-house, so, mm. you know... I, it was me saying to myself that they wouldn't want to publish no, this part. Oh, Did you cancel no, yourself? I cancelled myself. No. Get on Kickstarter. Um, but it was perfect for that because I already had the material. Um, but the cost for me personally of, of publishing something that's it's ended up being 48 pages long. Full in, colour. Well. Full colour in any quantity is just exorbitant. I mean, like we're, we're talking minimum 800 and that's for a print run of, of sort of two to three hundred um, copies, and I don't have that kind of money to chuck around. Mm. Um, so Kickstarter was absolutely perfect for that, um, and I uh, amazingly reached my goal like relatively quickly too. Um, so on the other hand, I also run a, a Patreon for something very similar to what Emma's doing. I'm releasing a free web comic, and <laughs> um, I get kind of a, a modest amount a month from a probably like. A, you know, a couple dozen people, all of whom yeah, are giving no no less compare, than sort of. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 very it's very different um, in terms of the way that you, you gather your money. Like I would say that I haven't in in maybe like it's been been about a year running Patreon now. Mm. I've probably earned less than a tenth of what I earned doing one Kickstarter. Mm, mm, but mm. the difference is that all the money from that Kickstarter goes straight back into the project that you're doing. You don't earn that money. You spend it on what your Kickstarter was for. And the promises um, that you made, of course. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Those um, stupid, stupid promises. <laughs> and they can backfire on you as well. There have been amazing... Some of you may have seen people's projects just completely blow up because they will accidentally miscalculate a particular tier and mm. make a loss-making Kickstarter. On the face of it, they've made $10,000 what has actually happened is that the cost of fulfilling all the all the perks reaches twenty thousand yeah. dollars, and then the ten thousand dollars in debt. It's well, exactly, that <laughs> seems to be the yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that it pays for the book, but then they can't afford to yeah. send it to the yeah, people yeah, who have paid for it. And what people don't know is that when in, in, in Kickstarter, people's postage and packaging 
adds to their overall pledge and that adds to your overall goal. So mm. when you reach your goal, it's also including the money that they're paying for postage yeah. and packaging. And then you're taxed on that as well. Yeah. Uh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Especially when you do things like uh, stretch goals and things like that. Like with, with mine, it was a case of I had stretch goals in mind, but I didn't want to like sort of jump the wagon at all by planning them because obviously you don't want to jinx it and think, well, I might not make it. So why am I thinking about stretch goals? Yeah. And of course, within two days, I had to start thinking of stretch goals. And I was like, right, I have to do a lot of maths now yes. because right. you have to work out the PMP for the new things that you're going to be sending out to people. How heavy are they going to be? How big is the package now going to be? You have to add on enough that it's worth making a stretch goal in the first place. So it's just, it is a lot of maths. Yeah. <laughs> well, in, in my second Kickstarter, which is, I think, should be going live this Friday, little, little plug, um, I've tried to work out the rewards so everything will fit in the same parcel. So no matter how well it does... Uh-huh. The post and packaging is a you know it's a set. I'm not going to lose Clever. any money. Well, I learned the hard way, so I think it's probably my turn to just yeah, chat. So I'll introduce. So Mike, you uh, got, this is the second Kickstarter. Just start talking. Um, the first Kickstarter I did was was Dead Roots, which is kind of this big tome here, Beautiful. which I which I edited. Um, it's got like 67 different creators. Uh, it's a big zombie shared world anthology. Uh, the reason I went to Kickstarter is because there's no way in hell I could afford to print that. I, the, the printing cost was ridiculous. We did 300 hardcovers and 200 trade paperbacks, and it was it was really expensive. Um, did mine in October as well, because obviously being horror and also having uh, World Zombie Day, which is a, a real thing, we, th- <laughs> we thought it would be a, a good time to do it. So aimed for 6,000, but ended up making near enough 12,000. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a hell of a lot of work. Like, I, I put in loads and loads of time into researching, you know, um, how people spend money, when, what time people spend money. And I ended up, it was a full-time job for a month. Like, it's, you don't realise, and then people are like, oh, you made £12,000, what are you going to spend that on? So <laughs> I, there's no money to be made from that. It's kind of, that's made in the hope that there'll be potential money in the future. But, um, yeah, I, I think Kickstarter is great because it, you can't, get these type of projects made unless you have that amount of money and, and kickstarter giving a, a goal a target like 31 days or 30 days whatever you choose giving you that that short period for people to get behind you really kind of galvanizes people and adds to the excitement of getting involved so yeah mm. and throughout uh, this panel as the other guys have been talking you've been nodding in a way that suggests that Through a lot the of these stories exactly haven't always been happy ones. <laughs> no, with um, with this beast, um, it's yes, yeah, it's, it's heavy, like emotionally and physically. <laughs> How many people would you say you kill with that book? Oh, all of them, right. all of them. Like we've actually been selling it as like a zombie weapon as well as yeah. a book. So, um, no, we we had a a price agreed for international shipping, and we kind of worked out on a little bit. We kind of worked out an overall post and packaging amount that we'll get from UK and abroad, which is stupid talk. Don't ever do that. Um, but our who we were going to go with kind of went bust, so we ended up having to pay a lot more to send books abroad. So this was costing nineteen pound fifty to send abroad each time, and we didn't get that much. So yeah, that's a, a lot of money. And then um, unfortunately, we were paying nineteen pound fifty because it was the cheapest one we could find and they were rubbish and we ended up having to resend the, the book out and like the actual cost of the printing is £19.33 so it's, it's a beast it's an expensive beast so you know every single one not like got damaged every email I got would be 20 minutes of me just crying to myself oh. over 
And that's even on the success story. Yeah. I didn't really apply, but I appreciate sort of, the sympathy. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's always good to remember that there is a flip side to kickstarting. Mm. I think so often, and it's engineered that way, so often we hear about the success stories, and it's so good that there are success stories, but for every success story, there's probably a couple that haven't made it's it. It's worth interjecting here, mm. actually, in terms of... So there's, there's, there's sort of two, two different types of failure on Kickstarter. <laughs> Number one... Sexy failure. <laughs> sexy failure, yeah. which is where you succeed publicly and then fail in the back end. All right. And then number two, where you actually fail and don't reach your goal. And um, the vast majority of, of, of um, Kickstarter projects, statistically speaking, succeed publicly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's Kickstarter care... that They do curate their content. They will... They will make sure that if you're putting up a project that's probably going to fail, that it doesn't get... Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, just to... Yeah, no, that's just to sort of interject that. before mm. you. Um, what could you talk a little about that about mm. the feedback that you get from Kickstarter themselves? Well, you, you don't get any feedback directly. Okay. When you they used put... to, they used to be able to. Oh, yeah, really? they, um, oh, okay. about two years ago, they'd offer like help and things like that and feedback oh, if you wow. wanted it. Because now it's a case of you can post it instantly. You can post your Kickstarter instantly before you'd have to post your project, and it would get sent to someone, and ah, they'd so it's no send you emails. It is curated, well, but only within the first twenty-four hours. Has anyone seen the um, the, the Batman? Uh, Kickstarter that's on at the moment. Yes, but he's just selling Batman. Oh, it's, it's amazing. What? I think the, the guy's asking for, I can't remember how much money, but for him to write a script to send to DC. Are you joking? And he's kickstarting that as a project. That's crazy. What's his reputation? What well, that, that? It's that me. Can't be no. no, but I mean, you know, if it was like Joe not, Hill or someone, then you'd understand them. It's not as curated as it used to be. It's yeah. a case of it would have to be reported in order for it. To yeah, be I've, I've never heard of him because it's so difficult to. It's obviously such a big mm. sort of. Um, wow. Wasn't there a guy who kickstarted a sandwich? Uh, it was a, um, oh, yeah. oh, it was a potato salad. Potato yeah. salad. Oh, that made that was Seventy-five grand. I hope that was a very good potato. God bless salad. the internet. It kind yeah. of it goes to show that one one of the things that makes a successful Kickstarter is really actually novelty and amusement. If you've got something that's sort of like um, really intelligent, interesting, it will make passionate people passionate about it. It means it's very hard to communicate to people, especially <laughs> on the internet, where the more mimetic something is, the easier it will be to communicate to someone else. And being able to say, hey, this guy's kickstarting a sandwich or a potato salad or whatever it happens to be is a heck of a lot easier than saying, hey, guys, I've got this wonderful idea for an esoteric (laughs) novel about the qualities of life Mm -hmm. in various different cultures across the earth. Are you interested? <laughs> I think, like, leading on to that, one of the, the, the best ways to make money is social media. So, obviously, you, you do a Kickstarter and people pass around your campaign. So, if, you know, like Paul was saying, it's fun and easy for people to get behind and it's not, you know, exclusive to, to one interest, then it's a lot easier for people to share it. So, I think that, that definitely helps. So, you see these stupid projects and you hear about more of these ridiculous ones than you hear about really kind of intelligent, thought-provoking mm-hmm. Which ideas. Which there are a lot of. Which yeah. there are a lot of, yeah, but... I'm going to be excited to see how things like uh, the Patreon system carry on. I mean, we're all, we've been in a paper... Because I think we've had conversations over years at conventions about going back to the days when if you go back to the days of Mozart, Beethoven, all of these people, they didn't have a wage. They had patrons. They would have wealthy patrons. If you were an artist, if, whatever you were, if you are a creative person, you'd have a patron who would basically fund your work. Um, and we moved away from that as society because we started looking to publishers. And, the, and now it's like things are coming full circle and the publishers are starting to take less risk. 
risks, but the public are willing to take mm. more risks. And, and, and because of social media, we've now got a situation where as a creative, you can reach the people who are following your work, ideally. And, and yes, you might find that people go, yeah, I would be a patron of your work. But we're not expecting, we're better than they used to be because we're not expecting one person mm. to, to fork out 100 grand. We're expecting maybe, hopefully, 100 grand. That's my weekly fee. Um, <laughs> no, we're, we're hoping for maybe like a group of people to each put ten dollars in or a dollar in or and so it's like it's lovely we're going back to the patron system but as a as a community it's become, it's really rather exciting. than a meritocracy it's become a democracy yeah. touching on the social media aspect of it that helps greatly mm. because obviously everyone's already in each other's pockets we're all in each other's lives all the time we're all mm. liking each other's statuses and we're always involved in things and i think patreon system is a great evolution of that because it's like it's got a lot of you feel like you're a part yeah. of something and you feel like you're helping something get mm. created i think there's certainly like you see there are some real success stories on patreon where they are they're, they're making you know they are making good money i'm not one of those people i'm like, i've got a very modest you, you know, will be by the end um, of this panel <laughs> <laughs> there's wi-fi but, but I think what's interesting and the reason I like talking about this stuff is I'm someone who has, you know, I have got a history in comics. I've been making comics for years. I've done things like Dragon Air was all done off my own back. I've worked for most publishers now. But even at that point, you can't ever assume. You can't assume, well, surely if I make this, then everyone's going to want to fund it. No, not necessarily. Yeah. There might be people who are following your work because they like those characters, not these characters. And this comes back to something we were discussing earlier where Emma was saying she was proud of me for being able to shill my work shamelessly. <laughs> It's hard. Really you feel hard. like you're begging. I've got <laughs> so, to be honest. Yeah. When you go out yeah. there and you've got something like this and you, you, you say, please, can you help me do the thing that I've trained my entire life to do and that no one else will pay me to do? It, it well, sounds... particularly via Patreon. I mean, at least yeah. with Kickstarter, you're paying for a product in advance. But with Patreon, it's almost like, give me a living because I guess because if each individual person I back a couple of things and if yeah. you're literally giving a dollar to someone a month you're talking like that in Britain that's Same adding up to a whole six pounds a year to to say you know I quite like your work have six pounds a year but it, I think you're right because it's something you're signing up to it almost feels more threatening to someone yeah. to back it and it leads to a very different attitude in the people that you, who support you on either different platform mm -hmm. Kickstarter has a kind of if you think about it slightly confused um, sort of concept behind it you are providing someone with a product but then you're also asking people to be patrons of that product so they will support it mm -hmm. out of kind of excitement but then the product comes as something that is fulfilled and, and you sort of expect that so there's a sense that good. you're buying something whereas mm. with patreon you get a different kind of person who's is, just yeah. there to yeah. support you financially because they think that you should be doing what you're doing well, you still i mean you still have like i've got there's certain tiers on mine where if someone's giving x amount then they're going to get a free copy of the mm. trade when it comes yeah. out you know but so that find, you still have that but i find when i approach my patrons mm. about that kind of thing no one ever replies no no, no one talks. It's weird on page. No one talks yeah. to you. They're just these wonderful magical fairies. Who well, I've, I've made like 500 radio shows and had maybe 20 comments in total. Yeah, but I think Kickstarter, you do benefit from the, the wham bam of it because it's like, here's this thing, everyone's excited. And it's so easy to go, yeah, I'll give 20 quid to that. Yeah. It's, it's a quick, easy thing. Have 20 quid. Whereas. It's also kind of cultivating a community as well, Kickstarter. People want to be involved in a community and, and push well, something together. I want Patreon to get that way, though. It should be. because It should know, be, but it's kind of the other, other mm. angle of that. They will only 
support you if they already know your work. Whereas Kickstarter, you can go as an unknown. If you've got a, a good product or a good video and you can prove, if you can prove to people that you can fulfill that, then people are willing to give you a go. Where, where Patreon, I don't really feel you can do it as an, as an unknown. I don't think that's it an interesting. Work as I well. don't know actually. It's, 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 it's possible the idea of the Kickstarter and then possibly breaking into Patreon yeah. later mm. once you have the sort of project mm. established. We should maybe. do it. <laughs> Let's do this, guys. Yeah. I believe in the system and I think it just needs time for people to be more familiar with it because I think it's a it's wonderful a opportunity to say I have it. only just today learnt how to pronounce it uh, <laughs> I'm going to open it up to the audience but I had one more question um, before we ask the peanut gallery um, <laughs> I hope you guys are cool with that <laughs> um, when it comes to the, uh, the various levels in Kickstarter where you have to offer incentives that seems, as an outside observer, that that's actually where the real money for the project comes from, that the lowest tiers aren't going to be enough to pay for it. So when it comes up... I think up, I have the answer to this. Ah, so, <laughs> well, I was just going to say, is there some kind of special formula to that? Uh, there is. You, you get told, like, by all of the kind of FAQ and setup stuff when you begin a Kickstarter that, roughly speaking, tiers around £20 make you the most money. Okay. Um, and the very expensive ones and the very cheap ones kind of bolster that. Mm. I, I'd kind of add a bit to that. There's this, this theory about uh, in, in restaurants where people don't want to look cheap. So you go to order a wine um, and you order a house wine and that's not actually the cheapest one for them. It's, it's the second cheapest one because they know that's what people buy. So in my mind, I think you should kind of cut out, doing Kickstarter, cut out the cheapest rewards because people who want to back you are happy to back, you know, £20 £25, but they don't want to look cheap, so they'll be more tempted to go up a tier, so they're not getting the cheapest tier. So you're kind of you're kind of engendering people to, 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 to pledge more. Mm. So there's a, a strange bit of psychology behind it, but um, I was very keen, like with this, that the first pledge level was, was £10 for a PDF, and I didn't want anything cheaper because I thought, I'll probably make more money from people going higher than I would from all of the people. I think when it's a, again, when it's a one-off, yes, you'd say, otherwise you're dealing with very small amounts. It's, yeah. yeah. The other thing that I found as well, which is quite an interesting thing, was um, the idea of um, the, the amount of money you make and the amount of reach you want for your project to make as well. Um, so, like, for example, you said the, the idea of not going any cheaper than a £10 pledge. Um, I personally had, like, a £1 and a £5 as well, so if someone wanted to just support it with just a pound they could and I had quite a few people do that in the first 24 hours and consequently like basically the more people you get in the first 24 hours the better than one person say for example pledging 50 pound isn't as good as 50 people pledging one I guess that's more like a donation to charity people are buying a sense of you know how good a person I am for a dollar exactly (laughs) so it's a case of if if someone wants to just show a goodwill support Mm. they had that option and consequently you get a lot of reach from your first from those people because they're all like they're all counting as a pledge on the, how much it's no, that's, yeah, that's on the point. flip side of that as well is, is when you kind of you put your pledges the higher your your top pledges is kind of the worth you're giving to your project if you say you know i've got a top pledge for 500 or a thousand pounds and you're saying my project's worth that you're adding this money into it and it must be worth it because i'm saying it <laughs> so yeah. there, there's some weird logic behind it and not, i <laughs> agree quite, there's that you've got different options to go with but it's quite fun with a monthly backing system trying to come up with with rewards because obviously it's very different to a kickstarter so mm. i've got like my my top tier is a and i have one person on it and she's wonderful and beautiful and i love her forever she's giving me 50 dollars a month which wow. is amazing and i can't thank her enough but any there's a limited amount of 50 dollars a month because how, if how many drawings of your boyfriend new do you have to do no, no, she's gonna be a character <laughs> in the comic oh brilliant i mean this is the beauty 
associated with a running a monthly thing and running it as a webcomic. So literally, she's she's backing that, which means she is going to be drawn in as a recurring character in the comic. Um, so it, it's it's I think with Kickstarter, we said we're kind of going over all ground a bit, but you've kind of got one project that you're funding, you get the money and it's done, which is brilliant for doing that. But if you've got an ongoing like a webcomic, it's quite fun. I think there's a lot of potential for back and forth between Much people backing you and you being able to say, I'll tell you what, if you're going up to that, yeah, I'll put this in. Or like, you know, it, it, there's a lot of potential. I've seen a lot of Patreon users doing things which I haven't had time to do, but like running live streams just for their Patreon backers so that they can take requests. And um, yeah, it's really good as an ongoing process. Hmm. I haven't been able to use it to its full potential yet, really. Does anyone in the audience have any questions for anyone on the panel? Okay, uh, so my question's for Emma. Um, <laughs> Okay, so PayPal have like had subscription-based uh, methods of doing what Patreon does. Oh. They've had it for a while. They've had it for about five or six years. Is this so, a donate button? Yeah, it's like yeah. a donate button that you can mm. make for donation uh, a subscription, and then you can base it on like one month, three month, or a year. Mm. And like a lot of online streamers use this to do it. But why did you choose Patreon instead of? Honest answer, I didn't know you could do that through PayPal. I've seen, <laughs> damn it! No, I, no, I've seen donate buttons, but I, I think there's a psychological difference, I guess, because I've donated to a few things, and I, I didn't, I honestly didn't know you could do a subscription to it. But I think there's a difference between when I'm on a site and I'll see a donate button, and I think actually, yeah, I've just spent the last hour reading this person's webcomic. I'll give, and I, again, I would see it as more as I would give a more generous. I'd be like, yeah, I'll give twenty dollars because I've just, I wouldn't. Whereas I think with Patreon, the encouragement is almost the opposite of what Mike was saying, which is like, come in for $2 a month, $3, like a small amount you're, uh, you're kind of subscribing to. But I didn't know you could do that through PayPal, actually. Whenever I've seen the donate button, I've always assumed it's a one-off donation, actually. So I, I, but then I only just discovered yesterday that in my own PayPal account, there's two separate balances of pounds and dollars. So That's I'm probably the worst, yeah. If anybody wants anything imported from America, then... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but also, I think at the time I jumped on Patreon, it was just breaking... Like, I think it only just started. And I, I was just genuinely, I thought it was a really interesting model. Um, I think there's a lot I'd like to see them do, and I think it can grow. Um, but, yeah, I think it was just, I mean, I use PayPal, but I think Patreon was a new venture, and it, it in itself seemed an interesting. And the fact that it uses the word patron, I think yeah. there's something, yeah. I do believe in the patron system. I think it's something we can really use. Top on your question as well, there's a there's a, there's an entry bar as well. If you, want to, if you want to do PayPal, you have to be able to have enough confidence to embed the button into your site, to oh, yes. curate it yourself and so on. Or you could just sign up for a Patreon account and have the pre-existing audience <laughs> yeah. come to you. I have very little self-confidence. I, I, when Paul was saying about the begging, I am the worst for it. I'm terrible. I'll be like, I've got it. There's a page. Does anyone want to? Don't, don't, don't look at the page. It's awful. <laughs> it's ridiculous. So, um, yeah, Patreon's quite safe because you don't feel like you're risking. But, I mean, much. I don't know if any of you guys do have a, a donate button on your pages I or what your experience know. was, but I did that briefly on mine when I moved house. and was destitute. Um, and, and I got donations for, like, really? about a fortnight. And that was it. And it was weird. It was almost like the novelty of people saw it, it appeared. Oh. And then after that point, my regulars was, you know, it's been there for a while. We don't care anymore. Maybe the quality <laughs> dropped. Maybe. Oh. Yeah. Could, could, could I'm well obviously be. joking. The quality has not dropped. <laughs> and now the quality has yeah. risen again. <laughs> and in this episode, we're going to drop it. Yeah. <laughs> Any other questions? I mean, I had another question for you, Mike. I mean, after your new order experience where you lost money on every 12 inch you sent to America, um, what else have you, did you hear about that? Oh, one of New Order's 12-inch singles actually cost more to produce than they were selling it for, so every time they sold one, they lost oh, money. Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. It's the one in the big, um, kind of like floppy disk. Uh, Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, so what else did you learn from your first Kickstarter campaign that you realised not to do or that you need to reinforce on your second? Well, I think we've covered most of the things, but um, 
it's just about keeping up momentum. Obviously, you're really, really busy at the beginning of Kickstarter and the end, and you've got to find ways to prepare and make sure you've got enough content to cover the middle section. So, like, uh, I, what I do is I send out copies for review, and I, I try to ask review sites to only release them after Kickstarter's live and try to stagger them. Because, like we were saying, we're sharing the social media. And this is something else I did. Every day, I would change the, the Kickstarter picture because it means every time someone shared it so if i did an update every time someone shared it you get a different picture which That's means clever. it wasn't you didn't personally feel <laughs> so much like you were you know Might putting the same thing days yeah it helps you know when people put like the, the tags on for the last final days yeah, so yeah. stuff like that really helps right. um yeah it's, it's, it's a visual thing but um it's kind of you need to kind of also make it so you you keep the same visuals so for dead roots we had the same kind of layout so the, the symbol was the same because there's another theory that you need to brand. see something three thing uh, three times before it kind of goes in so i didn't want to change it so much that people were just seeing different kickstarters they knew it was the same kickstarter but something slightly different so be more tempted to read it mm-hmm. so it's it's a lot of preparation and yeah. it's, people don't realize it's like a full-time job like you're doing one at the moment it's a, it's a lot it, of work in it itself is, yeah and one of the can, do you mind if I just show your graph thing? Okay. <laughs> it's very good. The, the, this is sort of, you get this in your Kickstarter, um, like, uh, tools. For the benefit can, of people who might be listening to this at a future date. It's a pie chart and a line graph. Yeah, yeah. And the line graph shows, like, very sharp progress at the beginning, then steady progress, and then very sharp progress at the end. Um, but one of the things that you can do is very clearly look at the days where you really heavily, aggressively advertised and see the graph shoot up mm. um, comparative to the rest of it where you didn't. So you get what you get out, what you put in with Kickstarter. It is very much one of those things that in the first few days, um, the you've got to latch on to the Kickstarter's um, tracking. Um, so the first few days, it'll track uh, all new projects. Um, so it's really useful in the first few days to really push it as far as social media is concerned, as far as getting reach out there and sending the link out to as many things as you possibly can. Because underneath the video, there's a helpful little thing which shows you how many times it's been shared by different types of social media. And it's interesting to know that it's not so much how much money you make in the first 24 hours, but how much of that happens that actually affects how well it does on Kickstarter. So mine, for example, got a staff pick pretty much on the third day just because of the amount of reach it had made in the first two. Um, So it's a case of not worrying so much about necessarily the money because that will come steadily throughout the month and if anything, you'll have a quick boost towards the end as well. But worrying about the reach that it makes and making sure that Kickstarter notice it. So you do get things like staff picks and you get things like feature projects and things like that because that really does help because when it's on the front page, people notice it. I think it's really important to say because all these... I think it's so useful hearing this stuff. But always remember, if you do run a Kickstarter and it doesn't meet its target, all these reasons are exactly the same reasons that might be why it doesn't. It doesn't necessarily mean it's because the content's not good. There are so many factors that might mean it doesn't hit it. And I think there's a bit of a danger these days that people will put a Kickstarter out there and if it doesn't succeed, they're like, oh, well, I rubbish, I should just give up and don't ever feel that way. It might, there are so many factors. The, the self-promotion side of it, I mean, I like I said, I, I promoted every single day, changed the picture, did an update. Um, that, that benefits you because when people press the remind me button, the little star, even though we don't know how many people have pressed that, we know that every time we do an update, they get that update. So that helps to remind them for the project. But not only that, I, I did the Kickstarter and I finished the Kickstarter and I had people come up to me going, when is your Kickstarter starting? Uh, and I was like, you've, you've got to be joking. I must have, I must have like done a thousand updates yeah. On, yeah. on Facebook and Twitter and even LinkedIn of all, all the places and... 
But you, with your book, and I assume that this is the same for lots of other people, you printed extra copies that you could also sell for people who didn't. Yeah, we had um, we had the, the print run set um, for the, the hardcover because we couldn't afford to, to print any less and hopefully <laughs> be making money when, when we get to the end of that print run, which we're, we're getting there now. Um, but the, the trade payback, we just rounded it up to the nearest hundred. Um, yeah, just did what worked for us. But it's kind of one of the, one of the things, you, you choose your goal, but half the time people are just picking out numbers out of the air. You don't want it to be too small that people don't put any worth your project mm-hmm. and you don't want it to be too big that it's unattainable because, like we said, you, you make your Kickstarter. Your Kickstarter, you know if you're going to succeed, basically, at the beginning. Like, in the first few days, you know if you're going to make it or not. Mm. So you need to have a goal where people will either get behind it or if it's too too little or too much, then you'll know straight away. And also, it's not the end of the world if it fails. Uh, there's um, a couple running a table downstairs who I won't out, but uh, they did a Indiegogo campaign for their book, and I think it had already been partially completed, and they were mm. looking for enough to finish it to have a guaranteed number of sales. And it didn't complete, but they finished it anyway and are selling it. Because, you know, if that you... Regardless, because, kind of that, I mean, that, that, bonus, because yeah. at the very least, the Indiegogo campaign has actually promoted it to a number of people mm. who well, may still seek it out. It's a brilliant marketing tool for yeah. your project. So mm-hmm. it's, it is dis- disheartening, obviously, mm. if you don't make a project. It is like a bit... You feel like you failed in some way, but you haven't because it's a case of you've got that project out to a number of people anyway. Mm. And it's also sort of organised your mind in a way. To, you've made a business pitch. That's what Kickstarter is it's a business pitch and it's brilliant practice to be able to do that to be able to learn how to budget yourself and how to merch yourself how to brand yourself all that sort of stuff comes into creating a kickstarter and that's really useful so even if you don't necessarily make the kickstarter Hmm. you've learned some really useful things and i think organize your brain enough that next time you'd be fine yeah and you've also kind of cultivated a readership as well because everyone who who backed you and been interested should hopefully still be interested even if you failed so Hmm. I know people who, uh, well, one person in particular, I'm thinking of a um, writer called Vera Greentee, who does a series of Kickstarters, and that's basically the only way that she produces her work. And each time, she builds on the audience she's got in the last one and offers perks from her previous um, from her previous Kickstarters. And they're always at least 150% successful, if not 200, 300%. Yeah, they're, they're, um, they're making like 15,000, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Now, so. yeah. And again, that, you know, that all be going back into paying the artist and all that kind of stuff. But it, it, you know, hopefully that's enough to make a living. And we all kind of snort at Uber success when you see something like, I don't know, uh, Veronica Mars being paid for by uh, a campaign on Kickstarter or was it Indiegogo, whichever one it was. Mm-hmm. But then that just makes more people aware of the existence of the site, you know. Mm-hmm. So hopefully then that leads to more trickle down. Yeah, you can hope. I think people <laughs> worry that there's a finite pot of money yeah. out there and like, oh, well, if these big projects are coming in, they're taking all the money and there won't be any more money which is that's just not the case I think and as Mike say you, you can have a core audience I mean my, my personal Twitter followers who will follow my account will still not even know I'm doing a webcomic despite yeah. the fact that I'm <laughs> posting it all the time people will miss things there's so many pockets of audience out there so it's not like people backing one project will therefore not back but then, uh, the other one. Maybe it's like you were saying, the fact that this whole Patreon idea has gone from being a single multimillionaire deciding what is culture to actually people out there saying, oh, actually, no, I'd like to try that, I'd like to try that. It's almost making the idea of getting involved in the art something that is tangible for people yeah. who just have pocket money. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. And if, if you look at the kind of projects that tend to get backed on Patreon, it says something about the psyche of the general populace as well. <laughs> I won't say any more. You've probably well, been there. The same for Kickstarter with uh, potato projects getting funded. 
It says a lot about people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, unless anyone in the audience has any more questions, um, potato salad or bust, I'd like to thank uh, Mike, Paul, Emma and Anastasia. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, Alex. No worries. For more information about Emma Viacelli's work, please go to emmaviacelli.com. That's Emma, V-I-E-C-E-L-I.com. For more information about Paul Duffield's work, please go to www.paulduffield.co.uk. That's Paul, D-U-F-F-I-E-L-D.co.uk. For more information about Anastasia Catris's work, please go to anastasiacatris.com. That's Anastasia C A T R I S dot com. And for more information about Mike Garley's work, please go to MikeGarley.com. That's Mike G A R L E Y dot com. As I mentioned at the beginning, the content of this episode was recorded at the True Believers Convention in Cheltenham in February. And they'll be back next year on the 6th of February in Cheltenham Racecourse for another terrific convention celebrating comic books, local, national and international, cosplay and all the various paraphernalia involved in making comic books in the modern age. You can find more information about the True Believers Convention by going to OKTrueBelievers.com That's the letters OKTrueBelievers.com And I'd like to thank the festival and their accompanying podcast, The Nerds Who Haunted Themselves, which you can find hosted on their website and presented by festival organiser Stuart Mulrain for allowing me to do these interviews. Coming back to the present day, there are several comic book events taking place in London over the next few weeks. At Gosh Comics, 1 Berwick Street in Soho. At Orbital Comics, 8 Great Newport Street near Leicester Square Tube. Cy Spurrier will be in the shop on Wednesday, July the 1st, signing his new comic, The Spire, released by Boom Studios. That's taking place on Wednesday, July the 1st, from 6pm. You can find more information about Orbital by going to orbitalcomics.com. Panel Borders was recorded, edited and introduced by Alex Fitch. is a Panel Borders production and you can find all previous episodes on our blog, www panelborders.wordpress.com and we'll be back at the same time next week. Thanks for listening. This program was brought to you by Resonance 104.4 FM. Visit our website at resonancefm.com to hear our vast range of original 24-7 broadcasts. Resonance is a not-for-profit broadcast platform and relies on public support. If you like what you've heard, make a secure donation at resonancefm.com.